Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oh my God, guys, we are nearly there. This is the discussion episode of Previously On for Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 5, the penultimate episode that we've had about, I don't know, five days to, to, to think about and get over. It was been easily in the top three most controversial episodes. A lot of people hating on it. A lot of people upset at the way in which it ends, in which Cersei died. A lot of people upset about Daenerys' story arc. A lot of people happy about Clegane, but we got that. So it's time to pick it apart, have a look at the things that we liked, have a look at the things that left us with questions, and, my God, we're preparing ourselves to say goodbye. We're preparing ourselves for the grand finale, which, uh, according to my watch now, uh, I'm recording this on the Saturday afternoon, is is merely like, well, it's less than 48 hours away. Can't think about it. I'm in complete denial. So let's crack on regardless. Let's imagine there's another five seasons to go, shall we? the second to the last time i can't even begin to kind of fathom that in my own head that we have only one more to go welcome uh linda from westeros.org how are you doing i'm doing very well i'm actually over uh quite close to one of the filming locations for game of thrones right now in the spanish city of osuna oh wow what what was filmed there they used their old bull ring to film the f- uh, the fighting pits of Marine, where a dragon comes in and everything. Ah, and over on the other side of uh, of Europe, Mr. Chris Mandel from iNewspaper. How you doing, mate? I'm very good. Yeah, I've removed all my jewellery, burnt all my letters. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a perfect. Uh, what a what a what a professional link that was, uh, Chris, because. Um, because let's begin with that, because we began with Varys, uh, of what was what seems to have been one of the most controversial episodes of Game of Thrones ever, I think, for as long as I can remember. I've never I, I there's not a day gone by since that since since the show aired that I haven't been asked to either comment for a blog or appear on some news programme defending game of thrones it's it's been one hell of a week to be involved in thrones on and and it all started up with various there's a lot of conjecture there's a lot of there was a lot of death there was there was bloodshed there was terror uh and there were also a lot of angry people not least of whom uh, uh appeared on the show uh let's start with varus then he was uh he was doomed right from the beginning wasn't he chris 
It was, yeah. I mean, it, I've been wondering where characters like him fit into the climatic moments of the show. And I think it was quite symbolic, really, that gossip and scheming uh, is only going to get you so far in this new world order where fire burns through paper. It was a bit like a sort of paper, rock, scissors situation. Yeah. Um, I love the way that he was threatened with this sort of execution last season if he betrayed Daenerys and it came full circle. Um, I love the subtle nod that he was trying to poison her uh, with that uh, conversation with the young girl. Yeah, not many people to... picked that up, did they? Mm. Yes. It, took, it's, it was pointed out to me by someone else. Uh, just really fascinating to watch Varys' way of doing things uh, become ineffective. And we saw a very similar thing with Littlefinger last season. Uh, scheming and backstabbing. It's got no place uh, with the dragon. So I thought it was great. A lovely way to kick the episode off. Really scary when the dragon uh, loomed into view behind oh, uh, that Daenerys. was an incredible shot I actually it, it was it was one of the scariest shots that I Fantastic. think I've seen in the whole of Game of Thrones it was brilliantly yeah done. I, I agree that was uh, that was creepy <laughs> you really got the sense of, of how Varys would be feeling seeing Drogon come out of the shadow and it was like oh my god this is it and there was a bit I loved where I believe he sort of Varys sort of either patted Tyrion or sort of gripped his hand just before the end and said goodbye. And it was, it was really quite tender, actually. Well, the, interestingly, I watched the, I don't know if any of you guys have watched the behind the scenes episode uh, about this, about the bells. Um, the director, uh, Miguel, asked Varys uh, or asked Colin why he was behaving so differently as Varys when, when Tyrion did that. And, Var- and, and he quite rightly pointed out that that's the first time that Varys has ever been touched. Ooh, wow. that's good. In the whole of, according to, according to, uh, am I am I pronouncing his name right? Coleman. Con is it Conley? Conleth. Sorry, Conleth. 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 Yeah. Uh, according to Conleth, uh, that was the first time that, that Varys had been touched in the whole of the uh, whole of all of the episodes in a kind mm-hmm. of direct way. Ooh. So, and, and I thought it was it was it was particularly well played. That that moment between between Tyrion and and, and Varys was great. I yeah. still I can't quite get my head around that that Tyrion grasped him up. <laughs> yeah, it's what, quite interesting. Varys being undone by someone else scheming. Right? Yeah. What did you uh, think? What do you think to that? Does, does that does that tally with your thinking, Linda? Well, I think that to some extent, Varys does jump the gun a little bit. I mean, yes, he. He's thinking that something bad is going to go down, and, and in hindsight, he he is right. But to move to trying to poison Daenerys, it still feels like uh, she hasn't really done anything at the point to deserve it. So I think it is Varys. I mean, he has been a kingmaker and a, a king unmaker. Yeah. And there's only so many times that you can decide to place someone on a throne or remove someone on a throne yeah. before it is going to bite you. Well, or burn you. Yeah, literally, uh, yeah, you play the Game of Thrones, you live or you die. Them, them's the rules. So Varys gone, RIP. Uh, Varys, we never, we never did find out uh, what, what are you... What was the what thing? The sorcerer said. What the sorcerer said. We never did find that out. Maybe that's maybe that's uh, Game of Thrones' polar bear. Um, <laughs> but so so Varys was gone, uh, and then it was all about a kind of wait. It was the uh, it was the terrifying 
plan to to take on King's Landing, despite uh, Tyrion and John both pleading her, pleading with her not to. What um, what were your thoughts on that, Chris? In terms of, did they try hard enough? With it, with, you know, I mean, Tyrion and John don't seem to have really done much. Everyone's kind of just let. Yeah. Are they letting? Are they letting her create a rod for her own back? Well, are they scared of her? It's. I mean, they've tried reasoning. Tyrion's kind of. I think at this point, Tyrion's advice has led the nearest down so many wrong paths that nothing he could say would dissuade her from doing what she wanted at this point. And can we just discuss think- that Tyrion, who is is constantly told how clever he is, has made nothing but a, a stream of yeah. wrong decisions. Yeah, I would not endorse that man on LinkedIn for <laughs> anything resembling teamwork, uh, structure, like taking orders. Um, I mean, I'm more interested in the, the John John trying to sway her because I felt like Daenerys had grown a bit weary of Tyrion. I thought John could help uh, temper her as Varys hoped uh, in the, the previous week's episode. Um, what was interesting in the episode, though, just seeing John on the the battlefield, as it were, is is his role is so much more lieutenant. He's not the political mastermind that some of the other characters are. So, really, for me, it was it was actually dwarfing both those characters in relation to what Daenerys wants to do. They aren't able to serve her with this current state of affairs and this current plan, and she casts them both off and their advice because, firstly, they're not telling her what she wants to hear. Uh, but I think she'd long divorced the idea that. Um, they're going to do what she wants. And Varys obviously says that he serves no one person, but he serves the realm. Yeah. That way of thinking isn't sitting well with Daenerys and neither is her advisors. And obviously Jorah, Missande, uh, all kind of fallen by the wayside. So for me, it was, it was interesting to see her kind of go full throttle. I think we thought last week that she would probably do that. We thought Missande being beheaded would push her. Yeah. So I'm glad they didn't waste too much time with her sort of umming and ahhing over it. I'm glad we just saw her go full throttle, fifth gear. We've had seven years of her umming and ahhing. Well, exactly. And, you know, after after a certain point, you just kind of want to see how it plays out. What What do you think, Linda, about, you know, let's, let's, some of the criticisms that, that, that were levelled at the show uh, at the end of uh, Monday was, right. was, yeah. was, was Daenerys' story arc. There are a lot of people angry that Daenerys has become the Mad Queen. And... I'm just completely bewildered by that. I can both understand and, I mean, I understand the people who, I don't understand the people who are just angry that she, oh, she would never do that, because that's not true. You know, both Elio and I have been saying that that last chapter of hers in um, A Dance with Dragons, when she starts to realize that I'm like my dragons, you know, I'm made to conquer. Yeah. Uh, I that's probably because she, she's starting to sort of shed some of her humanity. You know, I, I can't be a mother. I can't be somebody's lover. I am just made to be fire and blood. That doesn't spell any good for her future. As she's going to be the weapon that helps against the, the White Walkers. She's going to be the weapon that helps bring down some of the other uh, claimants for the throne. But ultimately, in the books as well, I think she's going to be too harsh, too ruthless, and maybe something is going to push her over the edge from just, you know, conqueror ruthless. Yeah. Because nobody calls Aegon and his sisters mad, 
conquering Westeros. They're right. never called mad. They're called ruthless, but not mad. Yeah, and, and is that part so, of the problem? Is the part of the criticism leveled towards towards the show? Is that is that Daenerys is it, is it, is, it, is it a slight is it a feminist issue where a woman can't be ruthless? She's just mad. Well, I think it's a little bit of how they decided to play it with her kind of going a bit loopy when she hears the bells, yeah. as if that is the thing that somehow makes her snap. And the problem I had with the visual there is that they showed her looking at the Red Keep. Mm. If she had gone straight for the Red Keep and said, screw the people who came into the Red Keep to be Cersei's shields, yeah. they, you know, they're screwed. I'm going straight for Cersei yeah. and that's it. But the fact that she started, you know, strafing across King's Landing and taking out everyone, I felt there wasn't justification for that. There wasn't. Okay. Unless unless indeed she just is mad. <laughs> uh, yes, but then I think we should really have seen some more build up to the fact that she was completely okay. you know, losing it completely. Because if it was this ruthlessness, go and melt down the red keep. That would not have been a problem. Yeah. Okay, I mean, can I just say I, I thought I thought Amelia's performance in that in that particular scene that you mentioned was incredible. I, oh, I, no I, question about that. I Absolutely. loved it. Considering yeah. that she was she, there was nothing there when she was doing that scene. If you again, if I, I advise everybody to go and watch the behind the scenes for this episode because it was incredible. There's a scene that, that it shows you Amelia filming that exact scene, and she's literally on the back of a, a green kind of like <laughs> rocking horse uh, with yeah. with no one around her. Uh, and performing like that, it felt so. I, 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 I always felt she's at her best when she gets to be emotional yeah. rather than rather than these, regal. Yeah, regal exactly. She yeah. was really good the first season, being emotionally vulnerable, and here we're seeing vulnerability and anger. Yeah. So I think that that is what she absolutely was made for in this role. I just wish that this had come. I mean, they start introducing things in the season that start laying the grounds for it, but it needed to, we needed to see her be more ruthless and her because up until now she had been listening to Tyrion, yeah. listening to people about you know not attacking King's Landing immediately. So the idea that the bells would just make her snap, it felt like a shortcut. I thought that the snap with her with Tyrion was when was when Cersei betrayed them. What do you think? Am I, am I wrong there? Was I thought I'd, I'd, I read the the moment that Cersei didn't arrive and that Jamie Lannister arrived without her was the moment where she looked at Tyrion and was like, "You're done. You're you know, you screwed up big time." What do you think? We Chris? still had. Her. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, yeah, no, no. yeah. I, I think so. I think that is the, the thing. Is, it's hard to tell because what the characters are doing a lot this season is they're acting and they're not talking. Right? They're not communicating. So we're actually getting very little insight. We're getting a lot of um, visuals, we're getting a lot of uh, uh, like shots on people's faces, but we don't really see her framing this um, descent into madness uh, in any sort of dialogue. So we're trying to go, maybe it's this, maybe it's this. And one of the things I've sort of got with the season generally is oversimplification. Um, it's it's being done in very very broad strokes, and it's up to us and it's up to the behind the episodes to actually fill in the blanks, which isn't really how I think you get the nuance and the complexity uh, that you need to sell this idea. But I think for me, I, I think, mis I mean, Tyrion sort of trusting Cersei and, and that not really coming to fruition was definitely one thing. But I, I really felt it last episode when, you know, she kind of said, like, 
you could see her walking away from from King's Landing when Missandei was beheaded and just going right. My this, this idea of politi- political um, savviness, this idea of a diplomacy is just not going to work. They are chopping people's heads off. Like I need to do my version of that, which is fire and blood. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's 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 park that for now and go back to the kind of the story. You know, after all of that was going on, we then we then got to this weird thing, which which I guess we've had to have in in season eight, which is where the writers think, oh, no, like they did with Bron before. It was like, oh, hang on a sec, we've not got Davos to do anything yet, so we'll get <laughs> him to say a line here. So this whole kind of smuggling uh, element, which was kind of just as a kind of tool, just to give Davos some screen time, um, felt like a throwaway. Uh... Yeah, it just it, it felt a bit unnecessary, really. This this dinghy didn't even it just didn't seem to get used at all. It was, um, but the the scene between Tyrion and Jaime, uh, which was uh, inevitably, uh, or, or what 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 turned out to be uh, a goodbye between the between the two brothers, I thought was I thought was lovely. What do you think, uh, Chris? Yeah, I loved that scene. I mean, I think those two are actually great together. And I love the way it mirrored Jamie freeing Tyrion in season four, uh, doing something that, he, you know, stepping up and, and actually Jamie really, in letting Tyrion go, he caused Tywin to die. And that caused Cersei to sort of take over. And there's all this domino effect. Tyrion realizing that him letting his brother go to try and get his sister out is going to have huge ramifications doing it anyway is um really really powerful and what someone pointed out on twitter which i loved it's the only the way they shot the the two of them uh dinklage is looming over uh nikolai and it's the first time the two brothers uh the statues are sort of switched and it's a beautiful shot if you can find it on twitter if there's screen grabs going around beautifully framed uh you know not just one of them having a bigger standing in terms of morals, but doing the right thing. I thought it was really interesting. And I, I love seeing those two um, interact. I thought that was a beautiful scene. Yeah. And obviously after the end of the episode, and we know that that's you know, Tyrion's, but his brother and sister have both died, even more affecting. And uh, I'm just fascinated to see how Tyrion processes what happened to his uh, brother and sister. Well, his entire, the, the entire remains of his family. Mm. Um, what did you think, Linda? Was that was that was that? No, really it, it was for? a really well, well acted and uh, very strong scene. I do wish they hadn't again emphasized that they kind of taken Jamie back to season one, in the sense that he says, "I don't really care about the innocents." Well, really, I mean, three weeks ago he was saying he was there to fight for the living. Yeah, but I wish they were more consistent with his. Um, you know, his development. Yeah, it was a bit of a 180, wasn't it? Develop away from Cersei in the sense that, and and learning that, you know, okay, maybe I have a conscience after all, maybe I'm going to try and do the right thing, you know, help Brienne protect the Stark girls and all of that. Yeah. And then for him at this emotional goodbye scene, still try and hold up the old, I don't really care, felt a little false. Yeah, it was a strange one. It was very strange. It wasn't, it wasn't can, the Jamie that we that we grown to know, was it? I sort of thought when I was seeing this unfold, if he's going to do that U-turn, I'd like to see him at least cast off Oathbreaker, which has come to sort of symbolise his goodness. Mm. If he's going to do that, abandoning that sword or losing it and sort of knowing that he couldn't get it back would have been really a good way to sort of symbolise that maybe Jamie's lost part of himself in returning or, or something. 
Um, but I agree, it was a strange beat and an, un- an unnecessary line, really, given all the all the work yeah. it undid. Well, let's stay. Let's stay on. Uh, let's stay on Jamie. Well, we'll come back to Jamie in just a second. Actually, let's let's go back to and and well, let's get to the moment that that we're all waiting for, which was uh, you know the iron, <laughs> almost laughable how the Iron Fleet and the Golden Company were just toast. I mean, literally, all the build-up to the to the Golden Company we had, all the kind of tantalising photos of Harry Strickland, all of the, the, the all of Kyburn Scorpions, all of the Iron Fleet, everything. I mean, literally, what, 15 seconds? Drogon was just like, ah, I don't think so. Goodbye. Uh, I quite enjoyed that. It, it was just like... I found that quite satisfying. It was it was a kind of classic Game of Thrones moment where it was just like, yeah, nothing's going to beat Drogon. Linda, what did you think to that? It was certainly very satisfying to see uh, when you stop and think a little bit about it. It seems the dragons got a bit of an upgrade between episodes. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, there, there was a great Reddit thread where, where they were treating it like a computer game. Patch notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the patch modes. Yeah, Drogon got strafe and uh, dodge patch modes uh, in between the <laughs> two episodes. Always, you know, no problem avoiding things. And, <laughs> you know, that um, that rock that John was hiding behind from Viserion's fire <laughs> must have been very impervious to, to dragon fire, given, yeah, given that what <laughs> the walls in King's Landing just explode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, there, there, there are a lot of le- leaps of faith that we have to take. Um, yeah. But again, a masterclass in, in, in tension. And it's, you know, Miguel uh, directed episode three and also this episode as well. And we got that similar kind of silent tension and and the great score of almost kind of like interstellar uh kind of inception type score again that was kind of ticking a clock and pulsing and saw a lot of people looking around and i've I've really really i've really enjoyed those those moments almost modern felt quite modern uh for, for game of thrones um so so harry was gone uh the Iron Fleet gone, and then there was the. Uh, let, let's just talk very quickly about Euron and Jamie's slightly underwhelming uh, scuffle uh, on the on the on the uh, in the cave. Um, a good a good goodbye for Euron. I thought it was a bit shit. <laughs> I I really really hated it completely. I mean, I, I tell you the thing I find frustrating is like Euron. Obviously, they needed a villain. We know that in the books, uh, Theon's father has three brothers and they all want different things and they can't do that in the show. But I don't know what Euron was there for. I don't know what it is that he wanted. And I think his his fight with, with Jamie was actually like a bit of a waste of Jamie's time. Yeah. Um, I, I just didn't really, I just didn't think it was a, a, a great, what I would love is Euron could have been, I'd love Tyrion to have done something. I'd love Jon to have done something more. They could have taken him out. And I would mm. love, in fact, I, what I really hoped, I think I said it on the pod last week, was that if Jamie is going to switch sides, we, I would love to see the, the Northerners actually have to reckon with that. I'd love to see uh, John seeing that Jamie's running off and doing his own thing, and maybe they have to fight, and maybe yeah. there's some sort of conflict. Um, it, it felt, felt like it, just, yeah, it felt like they'd, they'd put them together because of Cersei rather than, right. rather than any, right. you know what I mean? That, that was the kind of, the the elephant in the room was the baby, or the fact yeah, that the fact and, that Euron had slept with 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 Cersei, and given the fact that Jamie literally 
his his penis is still wet from Brienne. Uh, his reaction to to <laughs> well, you know, his his reaction to 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 Euron saying that he'd slept with slept with Cersei was like, mate, check your privilege. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think also it, if they were going to set this up as Jamie and Euron. Uh, bound together by their love for Cersei. I think they could have done it in a few different ways. I mean, Euron could have been set up as a sort of anti Jamie in that he is, you know, born into a, a you know the, the family on the Iron Islands, but isn't as, as tactical in combat. He's not as princely. He is a sort of like if we're going to take Jordan Peele's us as an example, almost like a sort of tethered version of Jamie that grew up in a yeah. really dank and damp castle, and then you know. A bit more savage, where Jamie was quite refined. I just think they could have set that up if they wanted them to play off against each other, but uh, it just seemed like I just wasn't interested in Euron from the get go. No, and actually, his fleet. It would have been great to see Yara come back with. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. To- hang on a sec. Yeah, where was this big standoff? We were fully expecting Yara to be there, weren't we, last week, Linda? Right. Uh, it seems very she, strange that she was left out too, yeah. Yeah, she was in the first episode for five minutes and uh, and there's no payoff. So I'm fascinated. I thought she'd bring the Dornish army over for some sort of fight. And uh, Well, so- I mean, let's, let's, let's save stuff like that for, for the predictions. Um, so, yeah. so Jamie wanders into the cave kind of fatally wounded. I, I don't know if that was the whole point of the fight was to get rid of Euron and also find a way for Jamie to realise, actually, this is it for him. Uh, there's no point in... He's, he's not going to see the next day anyway. Um, Linda... He's doing very well for somebody fatally wounded, Well, hang on a sec. Yeah, let's talk... He got, you know, he got two big old stabs into his gut and his chest and, and then manages to be absolutely fine. But, you know, this is Game of Thrones. So after that, um, the other another pair that were reunited... One last time was Arya and the Hound, or as uh, as Arya now calls him, Sandor. Um, what did we make of of that exchange? Because you know we saw them sneak in, we saw Arya completely intent on killing Cersei. She was ready. She was there. It was the it was the kind of assassin that we've that we've that we've grown with, and it took a, a speech from from the Hound to. I, to almost snap her out of a spell, I thought, and I thought Maisie's performance in the in the, I th- she hers was the standout performance in the whole show, um, was was great. And and again, that change of expression we saw Daenerys uh, go from queen to supposedly Mad Queen, and we saw we saw Arya turn from I guess an assassin to early Arya, a, a, a young girl. What what did you make of that, Linda? <laughs> You know, I wish we had seen her go through some of the carnage in the city first. Right. That actually the firebombing as such had started and she'd seen some of the chaos for, because I mean, she, you know, they've been riding down from Winterfell, been spending weeks together. And at his, you know, last moment, it doesn't really take that, even if I, I agree that her performance is good, it doesn't take much from the hound to snap her out. No. Of, All right, I'm not going to. Uh, actually, uh, an interesting speculation that I have seen is that this may have been one of the reasons that George has been so intent on. He keeps saying, I wish they'd kept Lady Stoneheart in. I wonder if. 
to the, to the podcast the people that, sorry Linda, just, to, just yeah. to, to the people that don't know who lady stoneheart is uh, anyone listening to the podcast in the book catelyn stark uh comes back from the dead with a slit throat as a kind of half dead woman called lady stoneheart just full of wrath and vengeance isn't that right yes, yes. and i wonder if maybe aria was supposed to at a later stage encounter her and be so put off by what this you know, I'm all about vengeance thing has done to her mother. It's brought her back from the dead in this horrible way. And that that would kick her out of okay. her dark. Uh, well, regardless, uh, it was the hound that got there first. And, yeah. uh, and they, I think one of the, one of the themes for me, and I think why people get so cross about episodes like this is, is that, and I've talked about it at great length all week. So I don't, can't really be asked to, to do it much more is that people get stuck in their heads uh, have ideas formulated in their heads about how things should be and the problem that that the, the problem that thrones has had is that sometimes the makers have agreed with the fans and we'll come on to click bowl in a bit but what that does it then allows license for people to think well in my mind if they agree with that, then they surely must agree with this. So there are all these kind of, I guess, quite somber, low-key goodbyes are just not what people imagined in their minds. So whether it's Jamie and Cersei, whether it's Euron, whether it's um, uh, Arya and the Hound, these kind of kind of flourishes, even like Brienne and Jamie in the in the previous episode, are so I guess just normal, <laughs> you know, because in reality people don't know when it's the last time they're going to see each other. So it's never, it's never a big kind of like Richard Curtis ending. Do you know what I mean? No, I agree completely that it, it shouldn't all be a big fanfare. Like, no, this is the last time they are meeting forever. But um, in the case of Ori and the Hound, at least, I felt it would take more to push her. You know, maybe if she had come across, let's say that they split up her and the Hound. Yeah. And, he came across, you know, his brother and fought him. And then, you know, if they did it so that, you know, he's lying, dying or something and is able to persuade her off to just be able to say those few words to her and have that be enough. He felt she's pretty strong-willed, Arya. Yeah. It doesn't feel like she would change her mind quite so easily. Maybe that maybe that's a testament to how close her and the Hound are. I don't know. Who knows? What did you, what did you think, Chris? Yeah, well, I, I love the Arya and the Hound stuff. It wasn't what I expected. I sort of had in my mind that he would be wounded again from the fight with his brother, and rather than choose to leave him, she'd choose to stay with him or something like that. But you see, what but that's, got, the, that's what I mean. That's the satisfying ending that everyone in their mm, mind imagined. And it was yeah. like, wouldn't it be great if they did this? And, and then when well, it doesn't happen, it's kind of like, oh. I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what I like, though. There was a sort of parallel in this episode that worked really well, which was Arya learning to let go of her desire violence and to kill people happening simultaneously with Daenerys's embracing her desire to hurt mm. innocent people and I thought the two were actually played off really nicely together and what I also thought was really good about this episode was the way that we saw Arya was our kind of person on the ground staggering around dodging stuff we kind yeah. of saw the horror on the ground from her point which I thought was quite a smart thing to do because she's seeing all the violence spooling out and affecting innocent people. And I actually loved the bit where she attempted to help that woman and her daughter and then sort of got up yeah. and, and sort of dropped the ball. 
Um, that for me was a really smart thing. She did that, and John also saw one of his own men. Oh, we're talking about her. Assault. We're talking about when Arya dragged them all out of the room to kind yeah, of like, she was like run. follow me, follow me, and then the woman gets like <laughs> smacked over the head, and she's like, "Wow, turns out I don't know how to evacuate cities." <laughs> it's fine because we're all we're all learning. But, she um, did not listen to the talk by the uh, by exactly. the air stewards at the beginning. But, uh, so I thought that was interesting, and actually, you know, you talked about endings. I think if Arya were to not be in the next episode. I think that would actually be a really interesting way to give her a send off. That oh, was it. Oh my god! I'd not Wouldn't even... that be kind of cool if we Hold just saw her ride off? I had not be. even thought that that might be the last time we see Arya. Whilst we're on Arya, we can we can kind of flit about a bit. Let's talk white horse symbol or just a bloody white horse, Linda. Yeah, I've been back and forth on that one a little bit this week. I mean, it's it's beautifully shot, and it, it's really uh, the visual is quite interesting and then yes i will share i saw people pointing out you know maybe it's the whole connection you know aria you know the assassin and, and death hades Bale. and the four horsemen of the apocalypse and all that kind of stuff yes. yeah so is she going to be doing something really major next episode or is it just like a new beginning for her yeah for the opening of a new life or you know is it just like she's a girl and she just found a pony and that's kind of awesome <laughs> God, I can't get my head around what you've just said, Chris. That might be the last shot of Arya we've ever seen. That, yeah, right. That's what I want for her. Just wanted to go like, and actually, the show's been quite fast and loose with appearances. You know, like yeah. I think it'd be quite a clever way to tie it up. I mean, I didn't, I didn't take too much from the White Horse, other than all the ash and all the charred remains. You know, that the city was actually quite white at the end. Yeah. And I just, I just thought as a sort of. I think there was just something quite striking visually. I really don't think there was a, a super... Part of me thought maybe Bran's walked into the horse and is yeah. whisking her away, but then I thought, I've been on the internet too long. Oh, God, don't, don't, <laughs> don't, let's not even start off with Bran. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I think that end scene also answers a lot of people going, hang on a minute, uh, Daenerys' vision in the, in the House of the Undead, we saw snow falling on the Iron Throne. It wasn't to his ash. I think that that kind of yes. that answers that now, right? Although like, I also I also on that point I do think you know not everything is tying back to something from the original because no. I do think the show that we got at the start was a very uh, straight adaptation of the books. Somewhere along the way, it's, it has become a different show. I'm not I'm not saying for better or for worse. I'm not sort of going in on on it in the way that people have this week, but you know it's just a different show. Yeah. It, it might you know so it's just it's hard, isn't it? There's a lot. Right yeah, on it. No, it, it is. It's definitely shed a lot of the the ideas about prophecies and such. Those have mm. uh, been uh, removed really during the last seasons. So, uh, uh, yes, symbolism from early on probably doesn't necessarily match up with no, what we're well, seeing think, at the end. And one of the most contentious which we'll come on to a bit was was the Maggie the Frog prophecy that we saw on the TV show compared to the one that was that was mentioned in the books. And I think a lot of people have got confused about those two things. But we'll come to that in a bit because first it's time for Clegane Bowl. Mm. <laughs> After all these years, we've in almost I couldn't believe it when it happened because I was like, oh my god, they're, they're actually doing it. They've they've done it. And in the behind-the-scenes video, it's even called Clegane Bowl. This, I loved it, but what a dangerous thing for them to do was to give to give Reddit what they wanted. <laughs> always, always, mm. always a tricky one. Where do you stop, Daniel and David? Uh, I, I, 
it was it was it was nice it was satisfying it was gory it was a fitting end you know uh i don't know i i, I was quite happy with Clegane Bowl, actually. In particular, uh, again, Kyburn just gone. See you, mate. Bye. I uh, loved that. That yeah. was my favourite death in the show. It was great. It was just like, <laughs> who the hell are you? Get out of my face. And then the the the, the wonderful uh, the kind of like Cersei moment of her just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to stick around for this. <laughs> I'll just tiptoe my way out yeah. of here. Uh, Clegane Bowl. Uh, Linda, Take it away. What did you think? Oh, as you say, it was certainly very gory, a little too much for me. I think I am a little sensitive for that, despite having stuck through all these seasons. So, you know, how can nice you? Enough. Are we still at the stage after all that was going on in that show? It was Clegane Bowl that was gory. Was it the eyeballs again? Was it the, was it the nod yeah, back to the viper? Yeah, the eyeballs, and then also him having the knife in his eye and just pulling it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that kind of makes my toes curl. Yeah. It was it was quite wincy, wasn't it? But I think um, a, a fitting end for the hound. He 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 got again another example of uh, a character completing their sort their circle. I wish it had been more obvious that he was facing fire, as in when he ran into his brother and they both tumbled down. So yeah. There was a more obvious sign of him conquering at the very last. His fear of fire as well, but it was certainly fitting that they both went out into the fire. Yeah. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think that I get this out of the way. I thought technically amazing, beautifully staged. It looked like one of the circles of hell. I thought it was, so, you know, dragon fire overhead, crumbling. It was incredible. My feeling is the show hasn't actually done enough work to establish why this was such a big deal. But I think the people on the show knew Clegane Ball was a thing. I mean, I've always found that the mountain in the books is so much more horrific and sadistic yes. and brutal and consistently in the show. Who, the Mountain? Um, I've not read the book, so... The Mountain, yeah. yeah he's, he kind of does a lot more. I mean, he you know, is, is sort of sent out to ravage the um, Riverlands in order to draw out uh, Rob Stark in season one. He's kind right, of... Okay. He's Tywin's kind of weapon, uh, really. And the destruction that he commits is is on an like, unparalleled scale. But I kind of was watching it going, and this is about... 15 minutes before the end of the episode, I'm like, is this really where our attention is best used? Because these guys are periphery characters, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I-, I loved it. I thought it was great, but I'm just sort of sitting there going, do, the, or, do most casual readers watch this and get the significance of these two fighting to the death? Yeah. Um, so, you know, not my favourite bit of the episode, but like I said, it looked incredible. I did wonder, like, is... Like, is is the mountain dead? Because I'm like he—he's like a zombie, right? How do you? Is he definitely? Who knows? I don't know. It doesn't seem many many people apart from Daenerys can survive fire. Um, but um, true. I think he's probably pretty well toasted. <laughs> so again, I'm going to hark back to the making because, but I found it such an interesting episode this week, and they've been really well made, and they and and everybody talks very candidly on them, and and it was an interesting interesting few quotes from daniel and david where they where they talked about click game bowl as being you know we read we read what you guys want we we see all of these kind of things we see people's dreams for the characters and stuff this was one that we we agreed with we wanted it to we were just we were the fans of the show and we decided to make that bit which i thought was was quite sweet because they obviously clearly are into the show but then therein lies madness and therein lies a lot of the problems that the show has come to because now let's talk about jamie and cersei uh we'll we'll kind of dot around a bit so 
you know, Maggie the Frog uh, prophesied in the books that um, that Cersei would die at the hands of her younger brother. Um, yes. However, that was cleverly or strategically left out of Maggie the Frog's TV prophecy, where she only spoke about uh, the golden-haired children dying uh, or wearing golden shrouds. So, clearly... Cersei's ending had been thought about a long time ago because that's quite a specific thing to leave out, isn't it? Um, it is. There were there were there were hints of of the prophecy in there. She died in the arms of her younger brother. Um, a lot of people extremely angry about the way that Cersei died. People wanted blood. People wanted satisfaction. Wanted the satisfaction of a Stark or a Goody murdering Cersei for all that she has done. I thought, personally, that it was the perfect ending for for someone like Cersei, who, you know, I I will agree that Lena Headey has had far little to do in in season eight, you know, really underused, you know, although getting paid a million dollars has been pointed out to stand on a balcony and drink wine. I'll take that any day. Um, but when she has been on screen, it's been delicious. And and the moments of her kind of swagger at the beginning to we only need one good shot, all of that kind of stuff. It was just she she was fantastic. And and as a character to see Cersei realize that she's got jackal. She everything she thought was wrong. Uh, the Red Keep was not safe. Uh Everyone else was right about the White Walkers, about the undead, about the dragons, about everything. She realised she had backed the real wrong horse and ended up being crushed by the, the keep that was supposed to be keeping her safe in the arms of in the arms of the man that she loved, which was the only solace that she got. And that was and the minute that one of my favourite moments of the whole episode was where she caught caught where she saw Jamie for the first time and just mm. lost it and just exhaled. And she just, you know, that was when she just cracked and she just knew that the game was up. Um, so for me, Cersei's death was perfectly fitting to the character. Uh, Chris, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely like you in that I'm trying to look at the, the show we got rather than the show that I would be writing in my basement uh, if I didn't have a job to go to. But <laughs> I thought it was great. I thought it was smart. I actually thought, and this is me kind of doing a bit of uh, reaching here, but the way that the Lannisters have been quite um, buried with a load of random rocks versus the way that the Starks bury their deads in crypts with swords and statues. I thought that yeah. was quite a sort of their legacy is just in the rubble and, and that kind of thing. I thought that was kind of nice. But I think generally when, when Cersei saw Jamie and broke, like I was close to like breaking myself. That's yeah. the, it was moving. And uh, the way that she just kind of was losing it where she was like, I don't want to die like this. I just thought that was incredible. And because I think, a gory death where she gets her throat slit or where she gets stabbed in the back would have been great. But this was like her own doing. She kind of killed herself more than anything, right? Because yeah. she brought this on. She had more um, opportunities than everybody to save her own life. Yes. And what I think is interesting, though, the thing that I feel is the the, the gap or the, the absence of anything is that I thought this, the Stark girls would have some sort of showdown with Cersei. I thought that's why they weren't present at the Dragon Pit last season, because right. they were saving it. I thought Daenerys would have some sort of uh, tete-a-tete with her 
where they kind of meet or, you know, and we didn't get that. And I think for someone as talented as Lena, who's, who's been so good at ricocheting off other people, um, that would have been really, really satisfying. But we didn't get that. What we got was something a little bit more muted and a little bit more grounded. Yeah, um, as we have with it, a lot of the deaths in this series. Yeah, it actually reminded me of Rogue One, where they all have to just look at the fact that they're about to die. It's staring them right in the face. Um, there's a sort of brutality to that, which I enjoyed. Um, I, I just, I think Cersei's such an incredible character. I, I am gutted that she's gone, but, you know... A big part of the show, and I know we'll probably go into a bit of the, the broader criticisms, maybe. But I think what, what we've got to look at is the, the the you mustn't let the ending undo the journey. And she might you, people might not like the way she died, but she's been the best character for me. Well, you know, I don't at all have a problem with uh, the uh, idea of Cersei dying in this sort of, as you said, a bit more muted way. Her just realizing that there is no way out. I'm done for with because of my own decisions. I think that the problem that maybe those who, you know, perhaps more on the book fan side or those who maybe Jamie fans is what it does to Jamie in the sense that it stays with the whole thing that he has completely abandoned the character development that he had by fully going back to Cersei and fully embracing her yeah. again. So, you know, I would have been happy for Jamie and Cersei to die together in in similar circumstances, but perhaps with uh, Jamie having come there, you know, not to, to rescue her, but maybe he was coming there to realize, you know, she is, if anyone is going to kill Cersei, but maybe as a mercy killing, yeah, it should it should be me just to so Cersei's actions and the way they lead to her end, I think do perfectly cap her journey, but the problem is the way they use Jamie. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to rag on the show because I feel, you know, no. we've been, we've been pretty critical of it over the past few weeks and it doesn't feel like the right time. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So yeah, let's, yeah. let's, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's just have, let's have a listen to the trailer and then for the final time, oh my God, uh, we get to actually draw a line in the sand and, and say how we think Game of Thrones is going to end. Have a listen to this. Again, doesn't really give anything away, really. We just get lots of backs of people's heads and and a few scenes. They've been very, very uh, economic with 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 either the names of the episodes and 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 what's to come. So it pains me to say it, but I I, I don't know how it's going to end. I mean, I I, I know how I kind of think it might end, which is I think that the decision is that John is going to have to make is to, is to is to kill Daenerys. I think that is the big bittersweet moment that we're all heading towards. Uh, the reluctant king ends up having to kill kill the woman that he loves um, in order for just just for peace. And I think there's going to be some weird Brexity coalition where 
Yara and Gendry looking after bits and pieces, and Sansa's kind of king of the queen of the north, and and Tyrion is looking after King's Landing, and this whoever the hell the Prince of Dawn is, he's over there doing doing, doing whatever <laughs> yeah. he's doing. But I, I, that's in my mind, that is what's going to happen. What do you think, Linda? Yes, I think that um, you know we had that little spoiler from a few seasons ago from David and Dan. They said that they were told three major things. Okay. Um, Reminders. Reminders. This. Yes, it, I think it's after uh, Holders and Shireen's deaths. Right. They. Those were the two things that they went out and confirmed. That those were from George, which made a lot of people pretty sad to have that confirmed. But they Why? also said Why did that it make people sad? Well, I think there were people who really didn't want to know for sure what came from George just so that they could still be surprised or, reading the books. Or it didn't allow them to be angry anymore. <laughs> Maybe in some cases. I think for, for me it was sadness at not, okay. you know, I wanted that untouched until the book. But right, okay. they also said at that time... Oh, I see. Spoilers. Uh, so they're spoilers for the books, in, in essence. Yeah. Yes. I understand that, right. Okay. Yes. And then finally saying, and then there is one major thing that shocked us because there were three big things that shocked them that he told them, and one thing at the very end. And the way it's been set up now, it seems inevitable that the bittersweet part, or one of the bittersweet part, is going to be the choice that uh, John has to make. Yes. And but what, what do you think that choice I, is going to be? I, I think that I never thought that Daenerys was going to survive to sit on the Iron Throne. Okay. She's become a dangerous weapon. Yeah. On the other hand, I don't know what that's going to do to John if he's going to be left in any state emotionally to actually take on being king. As he says, he's, ne- he's never wanted to be. Uh, no. And I suspect he It's will, not going to make him want it more. You know, maybe, and maybe the, the, the sweet bit of the bittersweet is that John finally gets what he wants and that's just to be bloody left alone. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, you know, Ghost is still up there. You know, you can go and find Ghost. Uh, do you think there's? Do you think there's going to be any twists? Do you think? Do you think? Do you think that we're in for, in for a surprise death? Talk to me about Tyrion. No, I think Tyrion uh, is there for the end. Okay. Actually, uh, I think that there is some sort of twist uh, because if anyone is on the Iron Throne at the end, I really don't know who that is at the moment. Is there if it's not John. Is there, is there an Iron Throne anymore? Does that even exist anymore? I mean, not much Not much did survive that by the looks of it. They talked about retreating. I mean, Kybern was trying to get Cersei to retreat to Maegre's Holdfast, which is the inner part which has the throne. Right, okay. And we didn't specifically see that destroyed. Okay. Chris, your turn. Yeah, what do State I think is going to happen? your claim. Oh, I mean, I do think Daenerys will uh, see her demise this episode. Um, I could also see Tyrion being uh, killed. I mean, w- one thing that is worth pointing out is in a similar way to Varys being warned against betraying Daenerys and then getting caught out. There's got to be, Daenerys has got to find out that he freed Jaime, right? yes this mm. is yeah that's so the... i do think that might happen i mean maybe she's maybe and also i kind of Tyrion's been on trial i believe twice <laughs> um i kind of would wouldn't i Third wouldn't be surprised if, 
gets on another one yet. Trial by combat is. There's so few people left. He could do a trial by combat and do it himself. Well, I kind of thought, <laughs> would he get Bro- would he get Bron again? Would the nearest he- her champion could be the dragon? You know, it could just be this like <laughs> massive. But I don't know. To, to, to be honest with you, hang on a second. I'm not. No, you don't get away with that. What? Are you saying that, we, that in your mind you've actually thought of the scene of Bronn versus Drogon in a trial by so, combat? So yeah, so Tyrion goes, my, my, he goes to Bronn, look, look, we, we work, we go together, <laughs> be my champion, and Daenerys goes, fine, mine's Drogon, and it... You <laughs> that's know, the end of that. <laughs> the Curb Your Enthusiasm music plays, and that's, that's what would happen if I was a judge. No, so I, but awesome. to be serious, I think, I think we'll see some fallout from that. The shot from the, the stuff from the trailer that we, we listened to just there, I mean, it looks like a sort of uh, Star Wars, like Darth Vader, like Imperial Army vibes. Like it yeah. does not look like a good place. Um, I could see there being some, some, friction, some friction. I also quite like the idea of the Northerners coming down to see Daenerys in the way that she went up at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, they're being summoned to bend the knee or something. I can't imagine that Sansa and Bran are staying up in the north because it would be such a strange way to end things. Um, my last prediction is that in order to sort of take in the scale of everything, we might see a time jump. Oh, interesting! Well, a bit of a bit of an old Harry Potter at the end. Just a just a like you know, if his spring's finally here. Some of the castles are rebuilt. We see Gendry and Arya. We see right, this. Right. Okay. That. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah. there's got to be some. It's just you know, there's a a lot to take in yeah. and it would be quite an efficient way for them to just skip some of the I'd, I'd be quite on board with that cleaning up all the dead horses and whatever i'm wondering um, my 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 question is is drogon uh faithful to daenerys or targaryens do we think well someone mentioned to me that he might take john's side well, this is this is what i'm asking yeah. i could see them both tempting him with a with you know like a, a a bit of lamb chop or something trying to get him to come to their side uh, I think he's Daenerys' child through and through, but I do wonder if he might fly away now well, that he's... To kill, to kill Daenerys without going through Drogon, that's, that's going to be... That's a nice. tough one. I see. Well, I, yeah, interesting. Well, I guess, you know, he can't be, he can't be inside the, the castle, can he? Can't fit, in her, <laughs> can't fit in her bedroom. No, no, I guess not. Well, maybe that is it. Maybe, maybe Daenerys' kind of legacy is that there is one, you know, a dragon remaining in, in, in the Seven Kingdoms, but it's dream- it wouldn't be nice. roaming free. I sort of, I could see in the same way they say they all, there must always be a Stark in Winterfell, that the dragon roosts on Dragonstone. That's where we sort of see him go. That would be quite cool. Um, who knows? We will all know in, uh, <laughs> yeah. in about 48 hours' time, uh, yeah. much as it pains me to say. Uh, oh I'm actually quite upset, and I, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, I'm, quite ner- I'm quite nervous. I'm quite anxious to see how it's ending, and I'm also sad. I mean, the whole reason we're I'm all here is because we we love this show, and uh, it's it. This is it now. Yeah, we're in the end game. It is it. And uh, and if you're listening to this uh, on on the Sunday, uh, please do tune in. Uh, if you're if you're listening to this in the UK for for Thronecast, I think. I'm allowed to say we're doing we're doing two shows. We, we are. There's a pre-show uh-huh. beforehand and uh, and also a special one afterwards. And they've they've built me my very own brothel in the in the, uh, in the Thronecast studios. But you had your own already. We don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, guys, uh, shall we? Uh, should we just get together next week and just hold each other's hand and and shake in the corner for a bit? Yes. Is that okay? Yeah, that <laughs> might be a good thing to do. Yeah. Linda yeah. and Chris, thank you so much for joining me, uh, and I'll speak Uh-oh. to you next week. All right. Thanks good, so much. Good Bye luck. Then. Thank Cheers. you. Take care.
That's it. Thank you so much for listening uh, to the penultimate uh, previously on discussion episode. Um, I'm excited and nervous and uh, and slightly upset and worried about being unemployed, but uh, that's a, that's a whole different conversation. As ever, really, really chuffed with the way uh, you guys have responded previously on. It's been fantastic, especially for such a new podcast. And I guess I like to think quite a different one as well. Um, we'll be back next week to uh, stare at the corpse of thrones and see... See if it's goodbye was a fitting one. I hope it is. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, If enjoy is the right word, I suspect there's going to be a hell of a lot to talk about. If you know someone that's mad keen on Thrones as well, please do us a favour and send it to them. Let them know that we're here. It's a broad church. The doors are always open. Just come in, kick your shoes off, make yourselves comfortable and get involved. The recap of the final ever episode of Game of Thrones will be with you on Wednesday. And the final discussion episode will be probably on Saturday. Uh, thanks for listening. I am Jamie Easton. Previously on is a Daft Doris production. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now, imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch Sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.